we find that I think one in nine reviews actually gets a response. So if wow. you think that you're one of those 80% customer centric businesses that is really like absolutely killing it and like your customers like love you and you have superior customer service, if you're not responding to reviews, I'm sorry to say that's just not, that's just not the case. Well, Adam, that's uh, disappointing. Uh, mathematically, a good way to open the show with a, a really sad and depressing statistic. I, yeah, I, here we are, Jay, and we, we do this every day. You write books about this, um, and it's so surprising. And I tr I'm trying to figure out, I, I, I'm sincerely trying to figure out why this is the case. Is it because we as social pros and customer service pros are more in the now about responding and engaging with customers that are having issues and situations now rather than you know, issues that have been posted about in, a, in, in past tense. I don't understand it, but obviously I think the table is turning that, that we are seeing more engagement. Of course, the successful brands are indeed doing that. Yeah, I think we're getting better. We, we, we still have a long way to go, which becomes very clear in this episode uh, featuring John Carroll from, from Yelp. He's the senior manager of local business outreach. A lot of really good stats in here about Yelp, about local reviews, about how to interact with customers uh, on reviews platforms. It's a really interesting episode uh, on a topic that, frankly, we don't spend enough time about on here uh, on the podcast. So you're going to love it, if, especially if you're, you're in the ratings and reviews game at all. You're going to want to sit through uh, this episode of the show. You're going to learn a lot lot. Uh, before we jump in, he got a lot to hear from, from John this week. Uh, just a quick acknowledgement of our sponsors. Uh, of course, Adam and his team at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Uh, software release, uh, the new social studio. Uh, tell the kids about it, Adam. There is so much coming up in the in the next couple of months. You know, one of the things we've recently added is the ability to engage with uh, with with reviews and be able to listen to reviews from other four over four hundred different platforms and sites. And more engagement coming here uh, in the very next couple of months. So it's a really exciting time, and I think it reinforces this whole idea of the importance of reviews and empowering the right people in your organization, whether they're the PR or the comms or the marketing or the social teams or your customer service teams or the frontline employees to be able to respond to the customers quickly. And that's what we hear from, from John on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Salesforce Social Studio, great way to kind of combine what you're doing in social with what you're doing in reviews. Uh, you know, those, those have been quite different in a lot of organizations for a long time. And uh, Salesforce is bringing them together into one platform, which is super useful. Also, the show this week brought to you by our pals at Emma. Terrific email marketing platform allowing you to send uh, customized, smart, you know, automated, nurture email sequences. And, and they've got a great team of people down there in Nashville, Tennessee, one of America's great cities. In my estimation, you can go to my emma.com slash j is awesome my emma.com slash j is awesome as i always mention a url that i did not select to learn more about emma but i gotta tell you you know email can get a little tricky and and at emma you can actually get a real life human being on the phone who will help you make your email better and uh, and that means a lot to me great features great price great people that is emma all right let's get right into this week's episode john carroll senior manager local business outreach at yelp here on the social pros podcast John Carroll, Senior Manager, Local Business Outreach at Yelp is our guest this week on the show. John, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your job entails there at Yelp and the kind of uh, challenges that you're facing these days. 
Yeah, so my role at Yelp has really evolved over the past uh, five years. I actually started on our sales team in our New York office uh, all that time ago. And then I got a role on our business outreach team, which is pretty much like the internal organization tasked with, you know, working with business owners directly. Uh, so it's primarily face-to-face, -face, a lot of in-person time on stage, uh, at conferences, things like that. And... Uh, we like we're we're handling like the tough questions right like we're helping them you know talk through reviews and and you know why yelp like has a recommendation software and things like that uh and also coaching them on all of the free tools so i think the one of the great missions of our team is that like we really were oriented towards uh and are oriented towards just like education first and kind of this help mindset and help mentality uh and then that role you know i realized obviously i can get in front of three thousand person uh, three thousand people on stage a couple times a year but a piece of content uh, can get in front of 3,000 people, you know, in a day or a month uh, or, you know, a year on its own. So I started focusing my, I guess, time and energy on really building out our content marketing hub and, and starting to build a content marketing engine, uh, which I think building content marketing, especially in an organization uh, that is techie and moves fast, like, it's really about kind of getting internal stakeholders on board and showing them the value of something that is a little bit more long-term payoff uh, than a lot of the programs that we might have running now. Sort of a sales versus marketing uh, construct there. And, and it's amazing because, you know, Yelp is being a technology company, you've got access to tons and tons of data. And so some of the content marketing that you're doing already takes advantage of your access to that data. You put together a fascinating report recently that, that talked about the importance of, of customer service. And I'm throwing up the air quotes now for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, that, that customer service is super important in kind of how people leave reviews and and, and when they leave reviews and, and what kind of reviews they leave. Can you talk a little bit about what you found when you dug into that data? Yeah, so I think in a lot of ways, everybody is kind of like a mini economist. I always think that people are optimizing for marginal utility, right? Like if you think about everything that you're doing in your, in your mind in this very kind of like subtle way, you're doing a cost benefit analysis and you're trying to minimize your costs and optimize your benefits. So effectively at the end of that equation, you have have like your maximum utility per experience. And what we found is like customer service is actually one of the biggest factors uh, in driving that. So we, we found a couple of really interesting things. So uh, in 2012, we initially did this study about uh, the impact on customer of customer service on uh, reviews. And we found that a mention a review mentioning good customer service was five times more likely to be five star versus one star. Uh, we refreshed that data and we found that it's actually now 15 times more likely that a review mentioning good or great customer service is five star versus one star. So that is kind of like the top line number that we focused on. And then we really started kind of diving in from there and we compared it to, uh, I think for a lot of restaurants, you know, they're, they're always concerned about the product. And I think most businesses focus on the product, but we found that great customer service is actually more important than great taste. So for every one review that mentions great taste, there are four that talk about a great price and there are 13 that mention great customer service. Uh, and then I think the, the last really interesting part of that data study is that uh, speed of service is also incredibly, incredibly important that there's not a category of business. So we actually did this analysis across every single category. And on our blog, we have an interactive tool and feature that you can look at your category of business specifically. There's not a category on Yelp that is not positively impacted uh, by faster customer service that we found every single like in every single category if a review mentions fast customer service that reviews tended to skew more positive as opposed to more negative. 
I think it's fascinating, this idea that when people mention customer service in, in a review, it's 13 times more likely to be a five-star review than when they mention great taste, even in a restaurant scenario. T- to me, my interpretation of that is people expect great taste from a restaurant. So when that is delivered, that's not necessarily a five-star review because you're giving the customer sort of what they bargained for. However, uh, consumers' expectations around customer service is so uh, low, right? We, we, we don't expect much because we don't usually get much that, that when we actually do encounter a disproportionately good customer service, it, it's, it's so shocking uh, that, that it induces the consumer to actually spend the time to, to create and post a review. Do you see it that way as well? Yeah, like I mean, I think I think the the marketing buzzword that we might be dancing around is delight, right? I feel like that's the, that's a big word that people love to love to throw around. But you know, you expect if you're looking at a business, I always think about Yelp, like and and any type of review site. When I'm going online and I'm doing my research, I'm I'm setting my expectation, right? I'm I'm almost creating this like bar of brand promise in my mind, and how a business measures up to or falls short of the bar is really going to be how like what plays out in the reviews. It's almost like this cognitive dissonance moment. Uh, so for me, I always think about like, if they're, if they're exceeding that bar, then that means that like that equation is like off the charts. And usually the thing that's going to most likely impact that is customer service for me. So yeah, I, I, I do, I do tend to agree with that is like, if, if you have a really shockingly delightful experience, you're more likely to go online and share it. And we see that in our reviews. I mean, over 80% of our reviews on Yelp are three star above, which is what we consider positive. So it's, you know, the majority of the reviews on the site are are those delightful experiences and there are more five-star reviews on yelp than there are one two and three star reviews combined wow that's that's an interesting statistic because i don't think i would have expected that um i think you know yeah, we oftentimes will we'll focus <laughs> we'll focus on the on the trolls john you mentioned something that i think that's fascinating and and, and i and i agree with john, jay's impression of, of the expectation for example at a restaurant that the food's going to be good it's all about uh, about customer service you mentioned the importance of speed of service and i kind of want to take that to the next level and talk about speed of response or the speed of engagement with a customer, whether they're having a great five-star review on your platform or a one or a two-star review, how important is it for a brand to respond in the Yelp platform to those? And do you see any correlation with future customer service or future score when brands are more responsive and more quickly responsive? Yeah. So I think one of the, one of the really interesting stats that we kind of gleaned from that study as well, is that 80% of the reviews that mentioned spoke to a manager actually result in a one-star review still, uh, which is pretty shocking to me because that's one of those things that it's like, this isn't, I think there was a, there was an article that came out a few months ago or maybe almost six months ago that was like, you know, please like people just like talk to the manager, have the conversations, like, like don't just go online. And it turns out that those people aren't just going online. They're actually taking that step first and talking to the manager. And there's a failure in customer service, right? Traditional customer service is not succeeding, uh, which is a huge opportunity for businesses to figure out like, you know, how can we possibly better serve our customers? And Jay, I think in Hug Your Haters, you you mentioned this one stat that maybe you can help me out with, but it was like, you know, 80% of people think that they have great customer service, but when you survey their, uh, survey their customers, I think only like nine or 17% or something. 8%, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's from Bain. Yeah, that 80, 80% of businesses 
say that they deliver superior customer service and 8% of, of customers agree, which uh, just sort of shows the fundamental disconnect between how companies think they're doing in customer service and how customers think they're doing in customer service. And I don't, the, the thing about the managers uh, doesn't surprise me because my observation, and I don't have data on this, just anecdotal, is that if you experience poor customer service from a frontline team member, typically, it's partially because the manager sucks too, right? So, so if you're like, hey, let me go see the manager, it's not, it's not very often that, that you know, you've got some poor frontline people, but then a great manager, right? You know, sort of fish rots from the head. So that doesn't really surprise me that, that all of a sudden you talk to the manager and the manager's throwing gas on the fire, not, not water. Yeah, and there's this uh, there's this great business in Indio, California called TKB uh, Bakery, and they have been on our top 100 list for the past like I think three or four years. I think two years ago they were the number one business uh, in the country. And I sat down with uh, the daughter. It's a it's a wholly family operated business, and Melina was just like her name is Melina, and Melina was like, you know, I will ask people who are making sandwiches on the line, is that a five star sandwich? And if they can't instantly answer yes we throw it out and we make it again. And like, that is the kind of managerial attitude, you know, that it takes. And when they get a negative review, they round up as a team and they unpack it, you know, going back to your point, Adam, like they're responding to those reviews, they're having those conversations and they're doing it in a timely way because businesses are so like, we, we tend to silo, you know, online feedback or online review versus in-person conversation versus, you know, face-to-face -face versus uh, an email versus a phone call. And from a customer service strategy, we, we almost create unique strategies for each of those channels and, and, you know, create those silos when for consumers is actually becoming an increasingly blurry world, right? Like, like, some people are more comfortable going online or some people are more comfortable sending an email or, or, you know, like versus having the manager come over because maybe one time they had a manager come over and, and the manager, you know, barked at them and they didn't have a great experience. So, you know, maybe they have their, their tend to choose a more like slightly passive channel. Um, but either way, from the consumer perspective, it's identical. So businesses shouldn't really have, you know, an overly like, different strategy for each of those channels like the level of customer service should be the same and if you you know respond promptly in person you should respond promptly online and that's one of the things that we really are, are trying to encourage business owners to do is participate in the conversation uh, we find that I think one in nine reviews actually gets a response. So if wow. you think that you're one of those 80% customer centric businesses that is really like absolutely killing it and like your customers like love you and you have superior customer service, if you're not responding to reviews, I'm sorry to say that's just not, that's just not the case. One out of nine reviews get responded to. Uh, that's not good enough because if you said, hey, here's what we're going to do. Uh, here's the new plan, guys. Everybody gather around staff meeting. Uh, we're going to answer 11% of the phone calls. You guys cool with that? Yeah, right. Yeah. You, you couldn't, you couldn't survive as a business like that. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't respond to 11% of the emails, but because it's a review, you're like, nah, you know, we'll get to some of them and some of them we won't and whatever. Right. And, and you have to, you can't think of it like that. Right. The, the, the customer has chosen that mechanism because they believe that is the ideal circumstance for whatever it is they're trying to express, right? Nobody, nobody spins a roulette wheel and says, Yelp, you know, that they're going there for a reason, right? And so what, what we always say is that, you, you know, you have to address the customer in the channels that they prefer, not the channels that the business prefers. And, and I, I cannot believe it's so disheartening that it's still only one in nine, but uh, I, I, guess I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but, uh, but, but it is kind of a bummer. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, what we, what I find is uh, even anecdotally just going on stage and, and asking people in the audience, like, what are they responding to? And most people are responding to the negative reviews, uh, which is shocking to me because effectively the, these people who are going on there saying, I love this place. They're like whispering in the ear of a future potential customer saying, this place is phenomenal. Like you should go there. And they are single-handedly shrinking your advertising budget just a little bit, right? Like mm-hmm. this is, this is digital word of mouth, like which nowadays like remove the digital digital. It's just word of mouth. Like there is no difference between uh, like somebody saying this at a brunch table versus somebody saying it online uh, to the average consumer. And 89, I think Bright Local did a study and they found that 89% of uh, consumers are reading the response that a business owner writes. So like I always tell people respond publicly. So on Yelp, you can actually respond uh, with a DM, like a direct message, or you can leave a public comment. I always say respond publicly because at least you're getting credit for it. Right. And, and, you know, I think a lot of folks have this orientation to depersonalizing it and, and, you know, picking, picking apart the response and, and really going after you know, the, the small things that they need to correct, but that's just that take the high road, right? Like that's not the way, that's not the way to do it. Start with a thank you. Thank them for their feedback. I've never seen a review, even the most negative review that doesn't have some positive component of it uh, because nobody just wants to seem like they're that person who just like went in and had a completely miserable experience and couldn't find any silver lining. So even if the food wasn't great and the, and the service was slow, at least the staff was friendly or, you know, something like find that bright spot, like, you know, acknowledge it and then address the concerns and then sign off with a thank you for your negative. And then on the positive reviews, again, start with a thank you, find the bright spot, invite them back. You know, maybe you use that as an opportunity to, you know, recommend something else that they might enjoy, not in a salesy way, right? You're not trying to push new products on people, but you're trying to tailor your response and show them that you're thinking about them, that you care. John, there's so many directions I want to go in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're on the uh, on the show this week. I do want to go back to something that, that you mentioned. Uh, you talked a little bit about the bakery that has been on your top 100 list for, for a while. And I'm going to assume that if they've been on your list for a while, they're doing things right. They have the right frontline employees with the right mantra and the right attitude. They have great uh, managers and leadership. They're doing everything right. And as senior manager of local business outreach, you have this opportunity to go out and speak to these companies, the ones that are like this company that are doing well, and maybe companies that are not doing so well. And my question for you is, have you seen brands, you don't have to mention any names, but have you seen brands effectively kind of listen to their customer using Yelp and turn things around? And what are the one or two things that they focused on first that you believe gave them that traction to be able to follow through and, and get those scores higher? Yeah. So, uh, there's this great business that I, I absolutely love in Denver. Uh, the business owner's name is Stephanie and she owns, um, a few different boutiques. I think now she's up to three or four. And one of the things that she mentioned, uh, and, and she, we had her on for a webinar where she talked about how responding to her reviews actually really helped her kind of change the direction and, and change the way that she, uh, grew her business. And one of the things that she mentioned was she talked about, you know, this one customer who came in and, and she's a small boutique, right? So during off hours, she's staffing maybe one person um, because she, the, the overhead of staffing more than one person is, is frankly too much, especially in the off hours. So she had this one review where somebody came in and like, it just happened to be the time that there were two customers in the store. One of them, one of them was being helped by the, you know, the customer, the employee. Uh, and this other person was kind of walking around and the review was like, you know, I didn't, 
I was walking around and things seemed expensive, but I couldn't figure out if they were locally made. And I couldn't really figure out like, you know, what, like, like what the store is about and the perspective and the person was busy. So they didn't pay me a lot of attention, you know, which in, in her mind, she was like, well, like <laughs> I'm a small boutique. Like, of course I can't staff a bunch of people to be running around and, and paying their overhead if I'm not going to sell anything. So like, you know, that's a limitation of mine. But she's like, once I got over that kind of initial visceral, like adrenaline rush reaction, she's like, I realized that like I should be having shelf talkers throughout my store so that I am touting that these are locally produced goods by local artisans and that that's why things are expensive because like this money is going in the pockets of local artists. So that was something that she made that was a positive change. And I think what like the best businesses that are doing this and the best businesses who are engaging with Yelp are doing is like they're, they're getting over that initial like visceral frustration with their reviews and they're looking beyond that. And they're actually looking at the reviews as like, feedback right then they're using it as ways and 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 tools to help them grow directionally because you know you can go and make you know 90 degree turns in your business like every other day and not really figure out what's working but if you have a source that is your customers or potential customers telling you exactly what you need to do to win their business that is providing much more meaningful direction for the changes that you're going to make and it's a small you know incremental micro changes and those, you know, changes that are coming from the front line or from the people who are on the ground who are bubbling that up to you, you know, that are going to be the most meaningful in the way that you, that you grow and, and actually sustain. John, would you say that that emotional visceral, visceral response is, is one of the biggest mistakes that you see business owners make where they see those reviews and they, they have that immediate kind of emotional reaction and they either say, hell, I'm not going to respond. This, this person is, is, is a bozo. Um, or is there another kind of common mistake that you see business owners make when they, uh, when they first read reviews and don't kind of go through a calculated methodology for responding or changing their, their fundamental business? Yeah, I think that folks tend to, I, like, I think like the visceral frustrated response is, is natural, right? Like I think everyone, everyone has that, you know, in, in any situation, I once was on stage and, and, you know, somebody gave me some feedback at the end that was like, you talk really fast. And I was like, whatever, like, that's just me. That's my brand. I talk fast. People can understand me, whatever. And that's like, that's not the right way to approach that. So literally every time I'm on stage now, I think about that exact piece of feedback and I have to stop myself. And I'm like, am I talking too fast? Uh, and oftentimes the answer is still yes, but I am a work in progress, just like we all are. Right. Uh, so I don't, I don't think that the visceral reaction is wrong. I think that it is human and that is okay. I think what people do, that is one of the, I, I consider the biggest mistakes is they ignore the feedback and think that it's anecdotal. But as we know, you know, I always like to think about that, like one nine ninety principle, uh, which was first observed on Wikipedia all those years ago that for every hundred people using a site, 90 of them are just going to lurk and consume. Nine of them are going to engage and edit and only one of them will create net new. So on how that kind of transcribes to or translates to Wikipedia is 90 of those people are out of 190 of those people are reading an article. Nine of them might go in and add an Oxford comma or add a citation. And only one of them is going to create a new Wikipedia page or Wikipedia article. So when you think about this principle that has been kind of observed across the internet, you know, barring the like button and, and some social media stuff in there, but generally pretty, pretty consistent. Uh, we find that like, if you think about that and apply that to a site like Yelp, 
for every one person who has said it, that means that there are probably 99 people who thought it, but just never took the time to write it down. So you can't look at a review as just one one-off anecdotal person. You have to look at it as a failure to meet a brand promise or an expectation that was set before that person walked into your business. And you need to understand where that is coming from if you want to solve it and prevent it from happening in the future. John, with with 5G uh, around the corner and growing reliance on, on smartphones, I suspect you're seeing more and more Yelp reviews being created on the mobile app. Uh, and and how how do you sort of take that to to the next level? Is it is it AR? Is it using geolocation to say we know this person was in the business when they left the review? Kind of what's the what's the future hold for for Yelp uh, in a, in a manifestly mobile world? Yeah, I think you know we do have some tools that use GPS now. I think like Yelp, as far as our our business model and like what we think about, we're always thinking like clicks to bricks, right? Like we're thinking about how do we drive new customers for traffic, phone calls, um, things like that. We've evolved some really you know great tools and functionality uh, that do that. I think early on we've we've kind of tried to use that GPS and really play with mobile and and create more interesting incentives along mobile. Uh, so one for consumers, one of my favorite tools is a check can offer uh, and that uses that's exclusively on mobile devices so uh, what that is for businesses is it's a little offer that somebody sees uh, on your Yelp business page when they're on the app or on the mobile site and you customize it for yourself it's free to set up uh, and it doesn't cost you anything if anybody redeems it it's just an offer that you create that somebody is saying you know check into this business which means that they walk in they use their gps they hit the check-in button you know it, it looks at them from a ge geography and if they're in the business they can check in and as a result of checking in and coming into your business they get you know a free can of soda when they purchase the lunch or or whatever the offer is that you want to create there have been businesses that have been you know given free hugs free handshakes free high fives whatever it is uh but like with that, that's a really great kind of fun way to engage people on mobile. Uh, and it's another way that like when when somebody does that, it kind of puts it in there like, hey, remember you were at this business. So the next time they come in, it's there and it's it's top of mind for them. So like that's one way that we we've done it with reviews. I think that's always, you know, people on mobile like we have our elite community, which are like our super engaged Yelp users and reviewers and like it's always mind blowing to me the length and detail that people put into reviews. And I think there are always going to be different cohorts of reviewers. Like there are the people who, you know, maybe they check in and they, they go to their you know desktop and they want to write that review out. Maybe they're pounding it out on their phone then and there. Um, so I think that's always, that's always something to kind of, to kind of think about is like how, like what is the medium that people are, are sharing this experience with? Uh, because you know, what you maybe lack in review context and our content, again, like this is, like this is kind of more speculative at this point, but like you're making up foreign photo content because it's so easy to share and take photos of a business. So yeah. uh, on mobile. So I think like there, there are always going to be content trade-offs depending on the, the medium that you apply. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way, but it makes a lot of sense, right? A, a longer text review on on a desktop where you've got, you know, sort of full keyboard, but then more usage of, of photos on mobile because it's just so easy to take it on your phone and then post it uh, to you. That's, that's fascinating. Um, and, and as I recall correctly, your terms of service sort of discourage or prohibit uh, solicitation of reviews and certainly discourage or prohibit uh, paying people to, to create a review. That being said, it is obviously 
obviously true that that businesses should seek more reviews uh, because it's it's great to have additional feedback, etc. So, uh, as uh, as as the head of, of local business outreach, what what do you tell businesses who who want to get more reviews, but you know obviously they're not going to bribe people to do it. So, what what is kind of your best practices on on nudging uh, consumers to actually take the time to provide feedback via Yelp? Yeah, I mean, so the obviously they're not going to bribe people to do it is a little bit is a little bit tricky uh, because we unfortunately do find instances where businesses do try to incentivize and pay people to uh, write reviews, and we actually have a kind of consumer protection initiative where in those instances where we find really egregious examples of people trying to buy or solicit reviews, we actually put consumer alerts on their page and we we link to the evidence so that consumers are aware uh, of what this business is doing. And I always start with kind of this pretty simple anecdote and story for businesses. And uh, most people can relate to it. And I think it really paints the don't ask for reviews in a, in a slightly different light, because for me, like, like I think as a business, when you're, when you're concerned kind of myopically on, on growing your business and you're trying to think about like, how do you get it to the next level and the next step? And you think like, well, reviews are really important. And I see this person down the street and they have over hundred reviews and I only have 10. So I need to get to a hundred and like, it just becomes this, this, this focus and this fixation and you almost become like irrationally attached to it in some regards and will do really, I mean, almost, almost anything. And I actually find that uh, asking for reviews can damage your relationships with customers. And I've been in a few instances myself where I've actually not gone to businesses like even prior to working at Yelp um, and, and drinking this don't ask a review Kool-Aid about like, you know, I, I once went to a barbershop and they grabbed my wrist as I was leaving. And the guy was like, write me a review, right? Simply because I'd used his check-on offer and he knew that I was an, uh, an engaged Yelper. But story I always tell is about, is about you know, rideshare and Uber. And I, I travel a lot for work. I end up taking a lot of Ubers. And if you haven't guessed already, I am definitely that person who loves a weird conversation with my Uber driver. Like, I'm just like, I get in that backseat. <laughs> I'm like, pretty much pulling out like the Heinz ketchup bottle and, and reading the conversation starters. Right. Uh, so like every once in a while I will like end a 20 minute trip or a 20 minute conversation where like we're vibing, we're connecting, we're having weird conversations. Like it's great. Like both of our days are more interesting now. Uh, and as I'm getting out, the guy will just be like five for five. Right, John. And like in that moment, I wonder, and I have to think like, did we just have a great 20 minute conversation because we were just like two people passing the time and vibing. And like, it was just like authentic and organic, or did we just have a great 20 minute conversation so you could get a five-star review? And as a business that is so toxic, right? Like what a, what a, what a dangerous idea to plant, plant in somebody's head because you're calling into question your own integrity and your own authenticity, uh, which is really going to undermine and, and undermine the confidence that you've built up with that person and with that customer. And, you know, you always hear these stats, like if somebody comes back to your business like three times and the likelihood that they come back the fourth time is like 70, whatever percent. So now I'm wondering, like, if I come back that fourth time, is the customer service level just going to completely drop off? Like what it like, can I really trust this business? And businesses spend so much money advertising and getting that, that first cost, that new customer in the door that like, to ask for a review that removes consent from the review equation and then puts this weird burden onus on me as their consumer, like that's not actually doing you any favors and that short-term gain is not going to have long-term payoff. 
you know, I, I think about, about myself as I, as I ask this question um, and also familiar with a lot of statistics. Uh, John, I don't know if this came from Yelp, but recently read a, a study that showed that um, I think the average, uh, average person needs to read about 40 reviews before they believe that there's a correlation between the reviews and the, and the points. And I think another statistic said that 43% of, of review users, your product included, are only going to look at reviews over the past two weeks. So we have this challenge, as you said, if we, if we can't kind of ask people for reviews um, and we need to feed the kitty, so to speak, how does this all work? My question for you is this, have you ever done a study and looked at the review score of people's first Yelp review and seeing how it trends that, you know, is, is the first review typically a negative or a very positive one? And as people give their 20th, 30th, 40th review, do, 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 do points kind of mellow out? That is, you know, that is, that is interesting. Um, we haven't, we haven't done that study, but if I had to guess how that would kind of play out, like most businesses as they're getting started, uh, my, my, mom growing up like she owned a deli and i can say from firsthand experiences most businesses like or especially you know her business as it was getting started was a wreck right like like it you know the menu changes 15 times in the first two months like you're you're changing new products you have staff turnover your hours might change like you're you know you're you're so focused on getting the ship to float that you're not really thinking about like will it sell um and like I think that if I, if I had to guess, most people probably don't love writing like a one-star review for a brand new business. So I'd bet that most kind of initial reviews skewed positive. And then maybe that first 10 starts being a more honest read. Um, and then over time, if like, as the business kind of grows and evolves and starts figuring things out, I would imagine that it would start trending up, but that's, I mean, that's, we haven't, we haven't done that data, but I'm, you know, I'm, going to ping Carl Bialik right now. And maybe that's, yeah, I've, I've got about 50 other studies I want you guys to run. So we'll talk about that offline. I got a whole list of points I want you guys to put together. We'll do it together. We'll, uh, we'll have you back on the show to talk about new stuff. How do you guys, uh, I know you, you mentioned you're kind of building out a larger content marketing team, which we think is terrific, obviously. Uh, how do you guys use social? Is Yelp using social for, for customer service uh, in, in your own world? So if you've got businesses or, or consumers um, who are, who have an issue with the platform? Are, are they reaching out to you on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, et cetera? How, how does that all that work? Yeah, so we right now for businesses, uh, we primarily focus on Twitter. Uh, as a consumer, like from a consumer platform, we have Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I think we also have Facebook pages for all of our local communities. So so Yelp has kind of an interesting an interesting challenge in that like we're a national brand, but also we have these like really robust local communities throughout uh, throughout the country. So uh, what my like the local business outreach team does is we have like people in certain markets kind of throughout throughout the country who you know are kind of either managing a region or or that city and and doing events there and, and really cultivating the community. Um, but there are counterparts who are there for the consumer side who are really you know cultivating that elite community. So like right now for businesses, we're focused on Twitter and we, of course, like kind of the, the best practices there of responding promptly, 
um, you know, staying on top of it. Like that, that is something that our social team actively manages. Um, it's something that we actually are very recently getting into, you know, as our organization is maturing and our, our, and our marketing organization is maturing. Um, that's a channel that we're, we're definitely building out and, and something that we like see as more important. So shameless plug at Yelp for business. If you're looking for uh, business owner tips and advice, but, uh, that will probably expand. I think, you know, like, other other communities and other spaces are, are relevant there as well like you know linkedin facebook uh instagram which our social team is you know keeps on telling me is really important i think i i struggle with that one a little bit because i like it's just so visual that i i find that you know what tends to do well uh and what we are really good at is more of the information side of things so you know i'm i will still be convinced by them uh and you know but Again, like this is like that is their expertise, and I I defer to the experts in, in situations like that. John, I'm I'm curious uh, as it relates to content marketing for Yelp, you know, which again is it, and it's and it's by definition a, a kind of a content type of company with all this user generated content. As you look at content marketing, because I think this is a question that our that our listeners probably ask themselves, I see kind of three ways that you could use it. You could talk about Yelp like you were talking about and how you manage reviews of your product, being it on the iTunes store or the, or the Android marketplace. You could talk about how your customers, retailers and establishments use Yelp to, to manage and curate, engage with customers. Or you could talk about the end consumer and how they get all this information. Talk about how you kind of balance those priorities or those pillars. And if there are other pillars that I haven't thought about. Yeah. So one of the things, and actually this is, you know, right out of a, right out of a Jaber talk, uh, we kind of go with that, like, you know, seven, eight or nine to one ratio where like, ideally that is, that is what we're going for. Uh, we, because we haven't had a super, uh, like haven't had a super robust content marketing program. What we're doing right now is we're, we're just covering the groundwork like we're 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 doing kind of some of that like product marketing go to market kind of like launch pieces that we frankly probably should have had uh when we brought some of these products so you know basic guides for uh products and, and tutorials and, and video content and some of that so um we're doing some of that brown of that groundwork so i would say that that ratio is a little bit out of whack for us right now um we when we started our content marketing program we actually uh, worked with an agency who did some keyword research for us and the keyword research and kind of the topic that they decided on uh that we started to try to kind of go deep with this this hub on uh, we've kind of found is, is a little bit too broad. And I think this is a, a challenge that a lot of content marketers have is like the help mentality is really wonderful, but it does have to have kind of adjacency to what you're talking about. So an uh, example of this, and uh, as we're building our content marketing team and actually we're, we're interviewing somebody to, to be my boss, which is exciting, uh, is like, we have to like, if, if you're taking a, a piece about, you know, financing your small business and you look at Yelp and you look at a credit card company or a bank or anything like that, like, you know, nine out of 10 times, somebody's probably going to go with that bank um, and the, the piece of content from that bank compared to Yelp. So how do we kind of tighten and narrow our scope and our focus to things that are really adjacent to what we're doing as a company and that we're using as these almost like bridge topics and bridge subjects that like, you know, if we're talking about finance, we're probably five steps before we can we can pivot that through suggested articles and things like that 
into a conversation more directly about Yelp. But if we're talking about something like improving your customer service, or we're talking about something like, you know, uh, creating trust with the consumer or, or something like that, then maybe we're only one or two steps away from getting them to, to read something directly about Yelp. So, uh, like, our reality is our, our ratio, our ratio is not yet in that ideal spot. Uh, but like the good news is like once we do and we kind of clear the clear this groundwork away and clear this brush, then going forward, that's something that we strategically have really aligned on internally is that like we're we are down to help. Right. And we're here to help. Um, and with content marketing, it's it's not about like like selling to your customer, it's communicating to your customer and communicating with your customer without selling to them. Um, and I think content marketing is what we do that is is everything but communicating to our customer while selling to them. So um, that's that's really how we think about it. The difference in help and Yelp is just one letter, ladies and gentlemen. So keep <laughs> well, that in mind. There you go. You can have that one on, on a t-shirt near you. But I think it's, it's, uh, it's a really great idea because there, there's a lot of um, misinformation, even disinformation in the business community about Yelp and how it works and how you should handle it and those kind of things. And, uh, and I think that's partially because the company hasn't done uh, a ton of content marketing historically and, and, you know, uh, nature abhors a vacuum, right? And so, so without information from you, people are going to kind of draw their own conclusions or, or rely on, on other sources of content marketing. So, yeah, I think it's going to really benefit the organization to, to lean in uh, to that approach. Speaking of leaning in, the one thing I wanted to ask you before we get to the big two is you told us off air that you are a near legendary or perhaps truly legendary uh, billiards player, a pool shark. Uh, and so I want I just want you to touch on that a little bit because we don't get a lot of pool sharks here on the Social Pros podcast. Uh, to become a pool shark requires a great deal of time and effort. Uh, and, and I, and I want to know how that happened uh, and, and why you chose to make that your, uh, your one thing. Yeah, so uh, that's a you know near legendary. I'm I, yeah, I'm a, I'm also a fan of hyperbole, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, so when I was a kid, so my parents my parents are divorced, and when I was a kid, my uh, my dad lived in Nashua, New Hampshire, and uh, turns out other than like the Pheasant Lane Mall, uh, there's not too much to do in Nashua, New Hampshire. Uh, so you can go on dad, Yelp and, and confirm that that there's not that. that <laughs> not, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's there's no dig, but 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 back in the day, like as a as a 13 year old or a 10 year old kid, it was like I think there was Fun World, which was like in fact a very fun world. Uh, and then there was the Pheasant Lane Mall, and then there was there was pool. Uh, so so my dad was just like he he always played pool kind of growing up. So he would take me, and uh, like initially I was like really bad. And my dad is a hilarious guy because he is like merciless, right? Like he doesn't he doesn't believe in like kitty rules or like oh like you get two shots because you can barely hold the stick like he will he he's just like i will destroy you and like you will <laughs> learn like true trial by fire um the only time i ever won was when he like accidentally scratched on the eight ball so uh so that was that that was my childhood uh and uh, like, so from there, I was just like, cool, I'm going to get really good at this. And then when I moved to New York, uh, right after school, I, you know, tried out a bunch of kind of different activities and just trying to like make, make friends and things like that. And the thing that I always enjoyed doing was like every bar in New York 
uh, seems to have a pool table. So uh, we would always, I would just always end up playing there. And then through that, I actually met somebody who was in a league. Uh, and it turns out that New York has a really awesome LGBTQ pool league. And I ended up joining that league. And then briefly before I relocated to San Francisco I was actually the president of that league. Uh, so really it started as something that, uh, like I just picked up as a kid and really enjoyed doing. And then when I moved to New York, it was a great way to kind of socialize. Uh, but let, let me tell you this, uh, playing pool as an adult is really a lesson in state dependent memory, uh, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with what that is, uh, but state dependent memory is pretty much like if you learn something in a certain state, like say after a couple drinks, uh, you are going to be best in that when that state is replicated. Uh, so, so Yes. Really, like, I know becoming where this good is going. at pool, becoming good at pool is also having to become good at pool in multiple states of your life, uh, and in 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 multiple kind of states in in itself. So, it is it, multiply that hundreds of hours by three. Yeah. <laughs> Like, and, you, had, you had to learn it. You had to learn it three different times. Three different ways. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's amazing. I, I feel like uh, I feel like pool and darts and billiard and pool. Let's see, pool, darts, and bowling. I think all all share the same contradiction in that uh, you know if you have a couple of beers, you all of a sudden get better, and then you get a lot worse. Right? Yeah. There's like this. There's like this roller coaster situation there. Uh, uh, that that wow, I, this this couple of beers is really helping me focus, and then it goes right off the rails. At least oh, that's yeah. uh, my personal experience. I remember funny, funny you mentioned bowling in my first job. Uh, I remember like, you know, we had this big, uh, I was at Macy's and we had this big like uh, team offsite kind of just before the holidays. And my boss is like, Oh, like, you know, the, the woman who's in charge of our entire division is really good at bowling. Are you like, are you good at bowling? I'm like, no, I'm like terrible at bowling. But of course you go to sing at the party, you have a couple drinks and like I bowled a Turkey <laughs> Wow. And my boss, my boss was just like, are you kidding me right now? And like, meanwhile, like the lady who's ahead of the division is like all high fives all over the place, like loving it. And my boss is just like, what is going on? I thought you said you weren't good at bowling. And I was like, I wasn't. <laughs> but apparently I'm not that bad. John Carroll is the senior manager of local business outreach at Yelp and also an expert at all bar games, uh, evidently. So uh, if you ever run across him in a conference, do not play him for money uh, at anything. That is my advice. John, we're going to ask you the two questions we've asked everybody here on the Social Pros podcast all the way back to our first episode in 2012, January of 2012, to be specific. Uh, first question is, if you could give somebody one tip, somebody who's looking to become a social pro, what would you tell them? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is probably a, a tip, um, that you've heard before, but it's just simply like, know who you are trying to become a pro at talking to. Uh, I think that that is like knowing your audience is, is the single most important thing that you can do. And, and oftentimes you don't know your audience nearly as well as you think you do. So find somebody else who's trying to talk to a same or similar audience and learn from them. Um, so I would say figure out who you're talking to, know what's important to them and then find a mentor who can actually coach you and help you. And that mentor doesn't have to necessarily be a tangible IRL mentor. Uh, that mentor can be a website or a piece of content that you, or that you follow or subscribe to that you, that you kind of brush up on, um, a podcast that you listen to a webinar that you, you know, you tune into regularly. I don't think, I don't think mentor necessarily has the most conventional definition these days. 
That's terrific advice. I think that's, that is spot on. And one of the ways you can learn about your audience is to actually pay attention to your reviews uh, and, and really listen to what people are saying. Last question for you, John Carroll, is if you could do a video call with any living person, uh, who would it be and why? Preferably a professional billiards player, but uh, you do you. <laughs> Uh, so other fun fact about me, uh, when I was at Indiana University Bloomington, shout out to Bloomington J, uh, I was a finance, marketing and art history major. So have always loved, uh, art and museums. And when I was in uh, Denmark, we went to the Louisiana and there happened to be this Marina Abramovich, uh, exhibit. And it's very seldom, I think, that like when you are walking through a museum, like you turn a corner and you see something that like just like makes you like stop and then like feel viscerally like anxious or excited or whatever it is. And I remember going through uh, the museum and turning the corner and there's this one piece that I definitely recommend that you look up and it's called Rest Energy. And it's Marina and her... Uh, partner Ule and she is holding the shaft of a bow and arrow and it is there's an arrow knocked in it and he is pulling the string back and they're kind of leaning backwards in this V and the arrow is pointed right at her heart um and it is one of the most difficult tense <laughs> nerve-wracking things that you can possibly watch and even in the context of like a museum exhibit that you know she lives for another like she I mean she's still alive like you you know can see some of the work that she's making now. She just did a TED talk a few years ago, like whatever, but like, it is still just like so difficult and, and anxiety inducing to watch. So, uh, for me, yeah, I think, I think just sitting down and talking to her and actually just letting her talk at me uh, would be phenomenal. A terrific answer. We'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. Uh, so to see that piece, uh, we'll find a, we'll find an image of it uh, and put it on socialpros.com. We'll have a transcript of the show and also we'll link up to some of the research resources uh, that John and his team have created. So you can grab those as well. John, thanks so much for being on the show. Terrific job. Congratulations on all the great success uh, at Yelp uh, and your billiards accomplishments as well. Thank you. Thank and you next time you're in, next time you're in Bloomington, uh, you know, come come back for homecoming or something. We'll uh, we'll do it up. Yeah, that sounds great. We'll find a pool table. I'll just uh, I'll just completely you know I'll give you all my money. <laughs> <laughs> He's John Carroll from Yelp. He is also Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. This has been hopefully your favorite podcast in the whole darn world. It is the Social Pros Podcast. If you hadn't had a chance to leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, that'd be super cool. If you did that, we'd really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another fantastic guest. Don't forget, every single episode is on socialpros.com. We'll see you then. Thanks so much. Thanks.